there, children. I've brought four wonderful stories to share with you all today. We'll begin with a brand new book called The Essential Tooth Fairy, written by a friend of mine, New Zealand author Anna Kenner. It's a book of our times, our new life with lockdowns and essential workers. This is so new, the pages almost stuck together. In the land of the Kiwi, the borders were shut. Planes were all grounded and services cut. Cities were empty, people unseen, all because of a virus called COVID-19. Jacinda Ardern and Ashley the Dock fronted most days to a nation in shock. They warned us to distance, keep washing our hands, stay in our bubbles, not visit our nans. As she watched the TV, six-year-old Ruth pushed with her thumb at her wiggly front tooth. She rocked it and worked it right out of her gum and showed it with pride to her dad and her mum. Ruth put the small tooth in a tin by her bed by Pastel the Pony and Scruffy Old Ted. She hoped the tooth fairy would find it okay and leave her a coin when she took it away. But... It was not at all certain, with COVID about, that tooth-fetching fairies were allowed to go out. While hopeful kids slept with teeth by their bed, Val, the tooth fairy, was scratching her head. She scrolled through a list with the end of a pencil to find if her job was labelled essential. There were doctors and nurses and rubbish collectors, cleaners, police and safety inspectors, supermarket staff and owners of dairies, but no mention at all of working tooth fairies. Val pursed her lips and rubbed her sore back. She closed down the workshop and folded her sack. She was very perplexed and rather dejected to think of the teeth that would not be collected. When Ruth woke up early, she gaped with despair to find that her tooth was still sitting there. Mm, it's COVID, my love, said her dad with a shrug. Nothing's the same because of that bug. Ruth frowned at her dad. It just couldn't be right. Fairies were clean and worked only at night. With the right PPE, such as gloves and a mask, they'd be super hygienic when performing their task. As Val, the tooth fairy, rested her wings, mended her sack and did other things, a girl on a mission was writing a note to the Prime Minister, no less. It said, and I quote, Dear Jacinda Ardern, my first name is Ruth. I'm six and a half and I've lost my front tooth. I thought that for sure the tooth fairy would show, but she didn't, you see, and I thought you should know. I'm not blaming the fairy or trying to cause trouble. I have just one question from here in my bubble. Why is the tooth fairy not on the list of essential core workers? Has she been missed? When the letter arrived on the beehive top floor, there were many red faces, a tremendous uproar. 
The list was recalled and amended in haste. With a press briefing due, there was no time to waste. On TV that day, the PM cleared her throat and held up a letter, the one that Ruth wrote. I have here a question from a young girl called Ruth. She's six and a half and she's lost her front tooth. She fully expected the tooth fairy to visit. But she didn't, you see. And that's hardly fair, is it? We've taken advice and, from midnight to night, the tooth fairy becomes essential by right. Easter Bunny will also, and Santa Claus too, under special new regs, Clause 152. At Fairy HQ, Belle clapped and she cheered to hear that her job was finally cleared. Her role was essential, it was, after all. She grabbed a big sack for an extra large haul. What Ruth had achieved for the kids of the nation saw her awarded a rare commendation. And when her tooth disappeared from the tin by her bed, along with a coin was a short note that read, Thank you, young lady, for taking a stand to help ensure kids were dealt a fair hand and that workers like us are valued as well as essential core workers. Yours truly, Val. Hey, what did you think about that one? I truly like this book and I think Anna captured Ruth and her life really well. A tooth fairy is a special person, definitely an essential worker. Margaret Mayhew is a favourite writer of mine. Here is her story, The Moon and Farmer McPhee. Hope you like it as much as I do. The Moon. Some days it is thin, curved like a peeling from a silver apple. Some days it is round as if moon mice have nibbled a hole in the sky and light is flowing in from the other side of night. It is mysterious. It is beautiful. Farmer McPhee was too busy working to stare at the wonderful world around him. He trudged uphill and trudged down, frowning as he went. His farm animals watched him plod past. He should look at the sky the horses said to the cows. He should stop frowning and start frisking, the cows said to the sheep. But Farmer McPhee did not hear his animals and he did not notice the wild wonder of the world around him. He took off his boots, ate his dinner, brushed his teeth and went to bed. One night the wind whispered at the window and woke him up. Something was frisking in the farm outside. Something was singing in the wild world out there. Ma, ma, here we are. Moo, moo, the moon's here too. Nay, nay, moonless hay. How can a farmer sleep with all that racket in the night? cried Farmer McPhee. He went to his window. Out there in the light of the night's round eye, he saw cows, sheep and horses dancing, or twirling and swirling, or whisking and frisking. You there, 
shouted Farmer McPhee. Stop that singing and dancing. Let a man sleep. As he shouted, a cloud floated across the moon. For a moment, the night was quiet, dark and shadowy, and the farm was quiet, quiet, quiet. Farmer McPhee got back into bed, but the moon slid out from behind its clouds, and the singing began again. We moo, moo, moo to the moo, moo, moon. Our ba, ba, ba will reach the stars. We will nay, nay, nay till the break of day. We're midnight friskers. You frisk too. And so on. Farmer McPhee was furious. How dare his animals sing and dance and keep him awake at night? He ran to his big cupboard threw out his old coats, a pair of scissors, a single gumboot and a fishing rod. There, at the back of the cupboard, was his big yellow torch. Farmer McPhee put on that one gumboot and seized his torch. He hopped to the door. That's enough, he yelled. You lot are going into the barn. Do as I tell you. The animals stopped their moonlight singing and dancing. Farmer McPhee drove them all ahead of him into the big, dark barn at the end of the paddock. Don't think you're getting out of here, he howled at them. I'm guarding the door until you are all sound asleep. Then I'll be able to sleep myself. And he sat down on some hay bales just inside the dark barn doorway. Darkness. Deep darkness. And then a beam of light. There, looking in through the barn window, was the moon. Where are my moon dancers? It seemed to be asking. Farmer McPhee stared back at it crossly. And then... And then... Farmer McPhee found his crossness melting away. As he stared out into that deep silver circle, something began to change in him. He opened the barn door just a little. Farmer McPhee wanted to sing and dance. Wake up, he shouted. Wake up, you cows and sheep and horses. Wake up, you hens and pigs. It's a moonlit night and we'll just sing and dance together. Oh, what a wonderful dance they danced. Up and down and all around the farm. Oh, what wonderful songs they sang and mooed and bleated and neighed and clucked and oinked. My name's McPhee, I'm alive with glee. We will moo, moo, moo in the midnight dew. To every star we sing, ba, ba, ba. The wild wonder of the world was spinning around him, so he spun too. The animals whisked and frisked, and Farmer McPhee whisked and frisked too. As he did this, he felt his face stretching, stretching. Goodness gracious, he was smiling. He was truly smiling. And when the sun rose, he and his animals, so tired, so happy, went back to the barn and all went to sleep at last. And even in his sleep, Farmer McPhee 
kept on smiling. I could just visualise this happening, couldn't you? It's a nice happy ending. We'll finish with a couple of Christmas stories, because Santa time is not far away. The first one is Grandma McCarvey's Christmas, by Jenny Hessel, also a New Zealand writer. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and just getting dark, when Grandma drove into the caravan park. "'My usual spot!' she chortled with glee, and she jerked to a halt by the flying fox tree. "'Come on, Pooch!' she called as she hauled out her gear. "'It's time to get festive. Christmas is here. Now, let me see. "'I've got candles, a bone for the dog to hide.' and Christmas crackers with lollies inside. I've got turkey with sardine stuffing to scoff and a plum pudding fambe to top it all off. Then Grandma McGarvey stopped and she sighed. Ah, I knew I'd forgotten something, she cried. My old Christmas lights that I hang in the tree. So she dashed to her car and turned on the key. Then she roared down the road till she came to the shop slammed on her brakes and screeched to a stop. Do you have any Christmas lights? she said. Over there, said the shopkeeper, nodding his head. But it's hardly worth the effort this year. We've had some bad news. Didn't you hear? Santa can't make it. He's sick in bed. The kids will be so disappointed, he said. The party's on now in the camping ground, but it won't be the same without Santa around. Now, if someone stepped in for the Santa who's ill, but of course, those are very big boots to fill. Then Grandma chuckled. Usually, you know, I'd be just the person to give that a go, but I've got my own Christmas party to run, so I'm sorry, this time it just can't be done. When Grandma McCarvey got back to the camp, she lit all the candles and turned down the lamp. She strung up the lights on the flying fox tree, then ran and got dressed for her Christmas tea, a red dressing gown with a matching cap and a white woolly scarf that hung down to her lap. Then she spread out her feast. What a glorious sight! Now I just need to set the plum pudding alight. The pudding went whoosh and glowed in the dark. Then it spluttered and flared and shot out a spark. And the dog gave a yelp and scampered outside and ran up the tree to find somewhere to hide. But he tangled himself in the Christmas tree lights, which started to crackle and fizz in the night. Don't panic! yelled Grandma and raced up the tree and the dog leapt towards her and clung to her knee. But the trunk of the tree was as slippery as soap so she made a quick grab for the flying fox rope and as Grandma was hollering, Hold on tight! They took off like a rocket into the night. The dog shut his eyes and covered his face as they sped through the dark at a frightening pace, heading straight for a crowd which was gathered below. Then Grandma exclaimed, Well, what do you know? 
It's the Christmas party. She started to grin. I hope they don't mind us dropping in. Then a child looked up and began to call. It's Santa! He's turned up after all. And then, as the dog came interviewing, Hey, look! He's brought his reindeer too. So Grandma McCarvey joined in the fun and passed out the presents to everyone. And the dog got a terrible tummy ache from scoffing six pieces of Christmas cake. Then they sang Christmas carols and sat around a fire and toasted marshmallows on pieces of wire. And when it grew late, people drifted away with a thank you to Grandma for saving the day. My pleasure, beamed Grandma. It's been a delight. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. She's a bit of a character, isn't she, Grandma McCarvey? If you enjoyed this story, there are ten others in this series, and all good ones. Okay, our last story is The Christmas Tree Tangle by Margaret Mayhe. Goodness gracious, what do I see? The kitten has climbed the Christmas tree. Climbed so high and climbed so far to cling with her claws to the Christmas star. Far, far above the town, she meows and meows but can't come down. Everyone hears her kettle wall. Help, help, or the kitten will fall. Goodness gracious, what do I see? The cat is climbing the Christmas tree. Watch her scrabbling, watch her scratch, the black and white cat with the ginger patch. She follows the kitten who climbs so far to cling with her claws to the Christmas star. The cat will rescue the kitten now. But horror cochin, what do I see? She's tangled her tail and can't pull free. Oh, what a terrible Christmas luck. Help, help, for the cat is stuck. Goodness gracious, what do I see? The dog is climbing the Christmas tree. Past the cat with a tangled tail, who twists and tugs and begins to wail. To free the kitten, who climbs so far, to cling with her claws to the Christmas star. Branch to branch and bow to bow. The dog will rescue the kitten now. But nobody told him dogs can't climb. He's having a terribly tumbly time. Beware below there. Mercy me. Now the dog is trapped in the tree. His nose is dry and his ears go flop. Help, help, or the dog will drop. Goodness gracious, what do I see? The goat is climbing the Christmas tree. With lily-white beard and cheerful bleat, she bobs and bounds on high-heeled feet, past the cat with a tangled tail, who splits the night with a woeful wail, and past the dog who barks with fright. Bow, wow, wow, in the Christmas night, to save the kitten who climbs so far to cling with her claws to the Christmas star. Branch to branch and bow to bow, the goat will rescue the kitten 
now. But branches baffle her high-heeled feet, and so the goat begins to bleat. She slips and slides. She starts to sprawl. Help! Help! Or the goat will fall. Goodness gracious! What do I see? The pigs are climbing the Christmas tree. Past the cat with a tangled tail, who splits the night with a woeful wail. Past the dog who barks with fright. Ruff, ruff, ruff in the Christmas night. Past the goat who teeters there, entreating, bleating in despair. To save the kitten who climbs so far, to cling with her claws to the Christmas star. Branch to branch and bough to bough, the pigs will rescue the kitten now. But what a disaster! Look at the pigs, their trotters totter among the twigs. Help! Help! Arouse the town before the pigs come tumbling down. Squealing, bleating, barking too, while the cat and the kitten moan and mew, caroling children stop to stare at all the animals clinging there. The children think it's a jamboree. What an astonishing Christmas tree! But as the animals huff and puff, the kitten decides she's had enough. Look, look, she's begun to climb. The kitten was tricking them all the time. She ducks, she dives. As she descends, she steps in turn on all her friends. Through piney needles and bending twigs, she lightly leaps on squealing pigs. She purrs and pounces, seems to float, grabbing the beard of the bleating goat. She runs along the back of the dog, while all the children stand agog. Onto the cat, then down to the ground, landing happily, safe and sound. But pigs and goat and dog and cat are stuck in the tree, and that is that. Help, help, I hear them call. Catch us quickly, in case we fall. Goodness gracious, what do you see? Someone is climbing the Christmas tree to save the cat and the dog as well. Oh, what a story they'll have to tell. Climbing the tree to get to the goat and brush the needles out of her coat, helping the pigs, both pink and brown, to curl their tails as they scramble down. Back once more on solid ground, they frolic and rollick, safe and sound. No more worry about a fall, for somebody brave has saved them all and taken them home for some Christmas fun, with cakes and crackers for everyone. Somebody brave has set them free. Goodness gracious, can it be me? This story was full of Mahi magic, wasn't it? Definitely getting us in the Christmas mood. Don't forget, you can buy these books and others at Books & Co. on the main highway through Oltaki, or you can visit their website, www.booksandco.co.nz, and order online. They also have a great summer reading list on their website, 
to help you find your special book. Happy reading. Goodbye. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.